Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So if I sound mega tired, it's because I am. (laughs) Just as a (laughs) pre-warning. I know you're mega tired. Oh my God. When you told me your sleep situation and the top it's not even that you're in toddler world she's a kid now she's like, but like, well here's the thing so my kiddo who's five is having a sleep regression and it sucks it sucks so bad she's always historically been a phenomenal sleeper i've definitely taken it for granted and so i messaged my best friend who's also a child therapist who knows so much about milestones and what's normal and like, this is okay. And she just puts so much into perspective for me. I messaged her this morning, just like at my wits end of being like, I feel like this is coming out of nowhere. And is something actually going on? She's saying she's sad and it makes me sad and like all this stuff. And she was like, oh yeah, like literally at kindergarten age, which is where she's at. They're like, brains are developing a whole new area. Their bodies are growing. She's in probably a growth spurt. And she was like, what always seems like it's coming out of nowhere isn't really the case that like something new is happening that hasn't happened before. But what's actually happening is that since she's growing and her brain is developing and her language is developing, she actually has language to say, I'm sad. And I'm going to go downstairs because I'm sad. And I'm going to wake them up and go into their room. And she maybe didn't used to have those skill sets. And so she didn't do them. And now she does. Which is exciting and also terrifying. No, I hate it. <laughs> you know, my, I need to send it to you. I'm actually sad you haven't watched it yet. But uh, my sister, so my my nephew, his language is developing late and what which neither here nor there we're not necessarily worried about him but him saying anything mm-hmm. is a big deal yeah and so he has started singing which is the cutest that kid singing is just <laughs> and he was 
he started playing the ukulele. Oh my god! Not well by any stroke <laughs> of the well. imagination. He's not just like a what do they he's, call it? A child prodigy or yes, whatever. Thank you. No, no, but he's like. Mommy, Daddy, Lily, Ted. <laughs> That's the best. That's so I, I, I have played the video no less than 200 times. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm hours. sure. I try to get video of Penny singing all the time because she jams out to Taylor Swift and sings so many of the lyrics. And she very clearly has favorite songs because she'll be playing in the other room and I'll just hear her start like, belting out part of a song and I'm like well she likes this one and it's just really funny the ones that she gravitates towards I feel like you know I'm super obsessed with like personality types and enneagrams and all of the things and I've tried to type her for her whole life she's definitely an introvert but I don't quite know what enneagram she is and I'm definitely leaning more towards enneagram four these days because of how like I'm just sad. I I just feel sad. Like that's what she says at two in the morning when she comes into my room. I'm sad because no one is laying with me, and you guys get to lay by each other, and I don't Aww. have anyone to lay with. Oh, and so I'm like in this melatonin daze, and I'm like, oh my god, just go to sleep. I don't care. And my husband is wide awake and like very upset and sad with her. So now I have two sad people at <laughs> two in the morning in my room when I'm in a melatonin slumber and it's just exhausting. Well, it's okay. Life happens. You will continue to have crazy things thrown your way and development is a, a journey. Let's, yeah. Let's and I mean, <laughs> the biggest thing that we're learning, and I do feel like this kind of ties in today in a weird segue, is so I, I saw this video the other day that really helped give language kind of around this, where it was like parents our age are really doing a great job of honoring the emotions. And like, I see that you're sad. I hear that you're sad. I understand yes. that you're sad and like trying to navigate through those. And I love that. Like we've gone through so many generations of people who are not acknowledging emotions and stuff it down and ignore it and toughen up and all the things. But we like, like on the opposite end of the spectrum of honoring like literally every emotion at, and putting as much weight on every emotion, like all equally right and so there was really good language around little bummers and big bummers and so like we have to help our children navigate through big bummers that's like someone dying or you getting a broken arm or like a really big thing happening but like little bummers like you didn't get the blue cup when you wanted the blue cup you got a red cup instead that's a little bummer like that actually doesn't impact or change your life and so trying to navigate and teach our kiddo little bummers versus big bummers. But I'm also trying to teach my spouse that when it comes to our child, <laughs> because I'm like, this is a little bummer. Like we don't have to yeah. have big bummer conversations yeah. around it. I, if it makes you feel any better, I saw this TikTok yesterday and this poor woman, her, you can hear her daughter Velociraptor screaming <laughs> in the background. And she's like, you want to know why she's screaming? Cause the tomato was looking at her too red. Yep. Yeah, I got hysterical hyperventilating tears two nights ago because I opened the garage door too soon. So that's where we're at right now. Yeah. But speaking of toxic behaviors. <laughs> you know, not that these children are toxic. We, no, but truly, we, we want to talk today about lessons and mistakes and, and traits we're seeing happening again and again. And I feel like so much of this is happening 
in people's purview and they're just not seeing it. And so well, like, if you're trying to get your developmental milestones of growing into a big CEO baby, you're this little business owner who's like having your muscles flex and your brain grow and all of the things happening, your body's like WTF is going on. Yeah, no, truly, truly. You, I mean, even as an adult, I, I know they say that your brain develops what, what are they saying now? Through 25. I'm like, do you ever stop learning? I mean, maybe your brain stops developing. So in the same way, we're going to let you a little in on a little heads up about some of these developmental milestones that are happening as you, the business owner is growing and developing. And I really think, you know, the conversation around stepping into your CEO seat, I feel like has been really gendered and really structured and really like trying to be put into a box of the right way to do it versus the wrong way to do it. And I have learned with everything in business, but even as CEO level status, founder level status, that you have to find what works for you in alignment with your goals. But universally, there are traits that I see happening over and over and over again that are holding people back from really thriving in their CEO seat in a way that feels yeah. good for them. Now, I will say all the things we're going to point out today, we're pointing them out because We've course corrected. We've seen friends course correct. We've witnessed this. This isn't just like us making arbitrary guesses. It's because there are mistakes we've made inadvertently in our own business. And so we really want to point them out as an opportunity for you to like skip ahead a little bit or at least be aware as they become, they might still happen anyway, but you're going to notice them faster, course correct faster. And we really truly just want you being able to step into this confidently. Yeah. But we, t- we talk about this more inside of our program, The Incubator, where we walk clients through this process of creating an amazing high-touch signature service, creating systems at scale, and then ultimately stepping into your CEO seat. And what does that mean with how you spend your day, how you grow your team, how you grow your revenue and your profits, your business, the processes that you use? Literally, it touches everything. And so this is a super crucial part when you're interested in growing or learning more about those aspects of your business. So if you want to continue that conversation or at least see if the incubator is right for you, I definitely encourage you to apply, start the conversation over in our DMs, over on Instagram at Boss Project. It takes less than 10 minutes to fill out and you just need to head to bossproject.com slash apply. Yay. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's talk about perspective for a second before we jump into the specific red flags. I think most people tend to miss their red flags because of where they're seated, because of where they're looking, because of what their focus is on. I don't necessarily think this is intentional. It's literally because of your vantage point. Mm -hmm. And if you think about a flag as, as something that flies one direction, if you are in line with a flag then theoretically you wouldn't see it. It would be flapping in the wind in the same way you're headed, hence why you're holding them. (laughs) (laughs) But other people may very blatantly see it happening inside your business and you're like, what? You're crazy. I don't understand why you would think that. And we, we can easily get defensive around this or we can accept that Maybe we just need to shift ourselves in the orientation so that we can start to see and understand what's happening. 
and and use this as an opportunity to improve. And so let's jump into it. Red flag number one. Okay, red flag number one. Are you all ready? Right now, you are absolutely, regardless of the degree, but to some extent, lying to yourself about your time. Oh, oh, so much so. So you much so. have not identified where your time is actually most beneficial, meaning where is your zone of genius? What is your zone of genius? What is the thing that's actually delivering client results might not be what you're thinking, actually making sales in your business and what we call your zone of focus. So where are you in your actual day-to-day and environment and perspective able to live in your zone of genius most effectively? Yeah. So like for me, if I were, if I know that my zone of genius is around operations and systems and how the business works and my zone of focus is best in alignment when I'm in an environment where it's quiet and I have space and I have a clean desk and I have less meetings in the morning and and all the things that aid and me being able to focus on that aspect of the business well. If any of those things are not working for me, like if I book myself all day long with meetings, then obviously I'm never going to get into my zone of genius because my zone of focus is off. I'm not like creating the environment for myself to thrive. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even giving myself the ability to effectively use my time if I'm giving it all away before I start. Exactly. Well, and the one that I see happening a lot too are people who have time constraints that are already built in that are kind of non-negotiable to their right. Whether it's kids, homeschooling, health, a side job, right? Like it doesn't matter. There are so many, a home renovation. Like there are so many things that are just like concrete happening regardless. And then they look at everything else they want to achieve in their business. And they, they, they're DMing me on Instagram and they're like, I hear you. And I've set up the roadmap and I've set up the framework and I feel like I'm doing all the right things. And yet here I still am. I'm not moving forward. There's no future growth. And I'm like, yeah, cause you're, you literally don't have time. You, you're out of time. You're out yeah, of time. They're not, they're not even addressing the fact that of course they can't change anything because they've already, they, they've already spread themselves so thin that the only way to get out of the loop is to literally accept that you have to change something that's already happening, not necessarily fit it in. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't, yeah. You can't just fit stuff in just because you want it to get done. Sometimes we have, like, sometimes it's literally just recognition that it cannot happen right now mm-hmm. or that it needs to happen in a different way or that it can happen slower. And I feel like that's the permission right there that none of us give ourselves. Yeah. Because <laughs> we have like literally all of these other things happening and we just expect like, like the CEO power suit to like zip on every morning and we're like, like it's uh the Incredibles, like, where's my super suit? And like <laughs> that we could just put it on perfectly every day. And it is, that's just not the case. Well, and if you think about just today, okay, well, you got crap sleep. Okay. Well now that's going to affect your whole day. Whole and day. how are how are you going to respect that that is something you cannot change? And so that might mean shifting things later in the week. That It might mean a million other things. But unless you're literally allowing space in advance yep. in your schedule, then you don't have the flexibility to make changes. Yep. And, and I think that's a really frustrating place to be. And so you're going to have to get way more clear with yourself about your time. Now, as we move into red flag number two, 
what I see happening, and I, I think this is this obviously is way more common for the owners in the room. I know some of you are still working for other people. So I want you to be thinking about your own small business. But when you're in your own small business, the red flag I see is that people want to wear only the owner's hat. Well, and it comes down to, again, this this mentality that we have to create a box and that box is so rigid and it's not flexible and it can't change day to day or even task by task. And I've seen that like it's from good intentions, right? Where small business owners grow and they finally get a taste of the CEO seat and they're understanding the difference between CEO and founder and owner, which are all different. And then they're told like, well, you have to sit in the owner's seat in order to make these type of decisions, which is true. You have to sit in the CEO seat in order to make these type of decisions. And you have to sit in the deliverable seat, right? To, to get client work finished or whatever it might be, the sales seat, whatever. And we want in a dream world to like only be able to live in just the one seat. But as an owner, as a CEO, it is literally impossible. And I think we're told that it's bad that we still sit in some other seats. Like thinking that we just have these like multi-million dollar budgets to just get to like throw money at our business and hope it grows that we don't also have to be in it. And I, I mean, I could talk about all day where that came from, but that mentality of thinking that you can only sit in the founder or the owner's seat and be able to just make those decisions without also being in it is absolutely holding you back. Unless you're just an equity partner in a business, but even if even then you still have to make decisions. And so I really worry about those of you who own the business and it is your primary source of income, you I get where it's coming from. You want to do less. You want to delegate more. You want to like not be making every decision in your business. And while that's true, you have to understand what is the difference between those hats yep. and the decision you would make as an owner of the business versus the CEO of the business versus whatever other role you might hold, which could be many, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you want to make a decision because of your personal circumstances, but your owner self might have to fight with you about that because that's not what's best for the business. Or your CEO self would be like, eh, I don't know if that's in alignment with the vision. And so I think it's, unless you start to, it's not about compartmentalizing. I'm not saying we need to ignore these things because they all have to work together, but you can't just wear one. And especially you can't just wear the owner's hat because the owner is always going to be looking at profit only. Yep. And sometimes you have to make decisions for the sake of your business that will literally generate less profit yeah. intentionally because, because that's... But, yeah. And then on the flip side of that, the CEO is only going to be looking at like, not just like when I say like the brand and vision, I mean like how everything kind of works together, yeah. but like, what is the, what is the, what does it mean to the business when you make that decision? Not with profits, but like the type of clients you'll be working with and the offers that you're putting out and how they connect to things that you're already got going on without maybe looking at the impacts. Like, for example, I feel like the CEO's decisions, like if you're only wearing that hat 
are the ones for the gut reaction to like pivot your audience or your offer or to cut a stream of income off of your business because like it doesn't serve you in some way anymore without looking at the impact from the owner's perspective of what will that actually do to your bottom line. Yeah. Like, do you, can you afford to cut that piece of the puzzle off yet? Right. I don't know. Right. I, I, I know, I know at the end of the day, there's a lot that's subconsciously making us feel a certain way about that. But I promise you, if we can start to look at the whole picture, you will realize that you are meant for so much more. And I'm excited for what that looks like, but let's get into red flag number three. Yeah. So number three, and this is one that you just need to give yourself a little bit of grace for if you don't know how to do, because I feel like literally no one taught us this. And I could go back to the kid conversation at the beginning of, I think I kind of correlate a lot of this to how we were taught to share as a child and how this impacts our poor delegating skills. I do feel like they're intertwined a lot, but the red flag number three is delegating poorly and truly not understanding the structure in which delegation needs to happen, which piece of the project actually needs delegated and which doesn't, who's actually responsible for various pieces, meaning like literally inception, doing it, and then the results of it, because it might not be the same person every time. And then really beginning to understand the big picture of your organization of what makes sense for who to own pieces of that puzzle. Yeah. So let's go to the root for a second, because I think it's interesting that you point out the sharing thing. To me, the thing that pops up is that the majority of you in high school, maybe even go back to middle school, middle school, high school, college, group project. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you do in what the group project role? scenario? I'm just going to guess that you led the project and ended up completing 95% of the project yourself. You gave everyone an A, even if they never responded to the chat thread. You're just like, I'd rather not deal with them and do it myself than try to figure out how to cooperate with these people. And I get it. That set us up for six, that set us up for failure later yeah. because a lot of our teachers also gave up in that process and they're like, well, you guys need to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But that we weren't necessarily taught how to pull things out of people that didn't want to participate. And when you're and how to hold people responsible. Right. And when you're 12 and 16 and 22, it's a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as an adult, you know, and these people actually work for you. We, we have to understand that most of the time our team is actually more on our team than we give them credit for. People want to see you succeed. People want to see the business thrive. They wouldn't be working for you otherwise. And they definitely wouldn't be working in this entrepreneurial environment if they didn't think that they would have some level of ownership. If they wanted to just do tasks and be done with their day, they would be working somewhere else. And so we have to get better at letting things go, but also understanding who's right for the job. I was in a call just yesterday about Colby scores, which is interesting. I mean, I've looked at StrengthFinder and I've looked at Enneagram and I've looked at all the things. I've never looked at Colby specifically, but in Colby, there's, there's people that are, will react in different ways. And this was the first time in a personality-based conversation, I had ever heard someone say, you might only pull certain people in for certain parts of the project based on 
their behavior and how Mm -hmm. they personally thrive. And I used to feel so guilty about, well, I don't know if they need to be in the vision meeting because I'd know they're best at doing the tasks. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. when we get to this stage, they'll really thrive here. And I'm realizing now that that instinct is not incorrect and I, I need to lean into it instead of feeling guilty about it, but also like reward your team for being good at the part that they're good at. Yeah. Reinforce the behavior that you want to see more of. Right. Right. Let's not set people up to fail. Yeah. Why, why would we do that? It's only going to disappoint both parties. And if you're feeling frustrated with the results that your team is getting you, I really strongly encourage you to dig into have you actually properly delegated and not the like, I've given the task and I've done my job. Like most of the frustration is like, I've shown them how to do it or I've talked to them about this. Yeah. Okay. It, that's the surface level of delegation. Good job. You made a loom video on how to do the thing, but I want you to take it a step further. Yeah. Well, and part of that is being willing to understand where people's skills actually lie yes. rather yes. than assuming that you're always going to be better than them. Cause that is not true either. It's not true. Yep. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business. I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. 
I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Okay, let's move on to red flag number two, number four, sorry, not designing the solution before hiring. We've talked about this how many times? I know. And I just, you guys, you haven't heard it enough. So I'm going to say it again. It's a toxic problem. And what ends up happening when you don't design the solution first is you hire people hoping they'll be your hero. Mm. You hire people hoping they'll swoop in and save the day and figure it all out. And then when they don't, six weeks later, you're pissed Mm -hmm. or you want to fire. And I see this happening a lot with like, you bring in an agency or an outside consultant or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, was that their responsibility? Yeah. And like, what part were they actually responsible for? Like, did they do their part and Mm -hmm. you're the issues still? Like I, and I say this to myself too. Like I, I we've done this, like we've done this so many times, right? Like having unrealistic expectations of a hire. So I'm going to give you an example. And there's so many that we could talk about, but I see a lot a lot when it comes to anything related to conversions, selling or conversions, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it could be a sales page copy on your proposal page, design on your proposal page. It could be a salesperson doing sales calls or whatever. If you don't have the actual solution of what's going to work that you can then delegate and train someone on how to do if they're an employee, then you're not going to get that result. And what I see happening is we're hiring contractors more often than not to come in and do some piece of this puzzle Say, for example, they're redesigning your proposal page that you want to send to clients. And your hope is that their work will land you more clients. That is not their job. It's literally not. All their job was is to design the proposal page. Even if their whole like vibe is we create higher conversions, they still can't guarantee that for you. Mm -hmm. It's still your offer, your price, your selling process, how you're talking about it, like what it looks like, like to book a call with you and the follow-up. Like there are so many pieces of that puzzle that impact the ultimate decision of conversion that is not the design. Right. And so the point here is don't hire when you're at a point of tension, in my opinion. You hire when you have a clear solution, a clear path, and you're ready to move forward and, and train someone in an area that you feel confident in. And I'm not saying you can't have them design this alongside of you. You can, but you have, you have to go in with a different mindset right. that, th- that this is a process and a training and a, 
and it's going to take time. Assuming instant results when you don't even know what's wrong in the first place is really mm-hmm. toxic and and shitty for the people you're working with because they're going to feel undervalued. They're going to feel like they're a problem when they're not. And you brought people onto the team for a reason. So let, let's enable people to do the thing they're best at and allow ourselves to get to a point where we trust our intuition, but we also are willing to look at the root cause of the problem first and then use hiring as a next step. Yep. So let's go into red flag number five. It's a part two of this conversation right now. And it's the absolute this oh, toxic mistake that you could be doing for a year. Like you could never graduate out of this mistake because you're not recognizing that what the actual cause of the issue is. And it's the fact that you are employing, and I put that in quotes, if you're not watching our YouTube video of this episode, you're employing contractors. And that is a contradiction because it is. And Number one, it's illegal, literally illegal. You might not realize that you're skirting the line so close to what is unethical to ask of a contractor to do, as in provide specific results, show up to specific meetings on a routine basis, deliver stuff like not necessarily on a deadline of what's been agreed upon as a client contractor relationship, but as this like recurring constant employee mindset kind of delivery, or even outside of the scope of what you actually hired them for. I think that's a big one. And, and again, I say it because we've done it, right? We've hired a contractor for a general thing or even a specialized thing. And as our company has grown and changed and evolved, and this person's skill sets are shining, we put them in different seats like they're an employee that can just move around different departments within our business. And the original contract is basically null and void because they're not doing half of what we actually laid out in the very beginning. So therefore, we're not getting the results that we originally talked about. And we're not addressing that in a way that's appropriate for a client contractor relationship. Right. I also think, and I get, I get it because, you know, at the end of the day, I I do think there's a lot of contractors that are also behaving like their employees, even though they're not. And so it is aiding in confusion for sure. But you as the owner have to be the responsible one that understands the difference between how you can communicate with a contractor versus employee, what you can expect of them and vice versa. Now, I will say the biggest and boldest difference between contractors and employees really comes down to training. A contractor should be someone you can bring in to do a task where you may hand them a document that walks through your process, but theoretically they have their own process. You hired them to do the thing they do and they are coming into your business with their own kind of way that they do it. Inside your own business, you can dictate what the process looks like and train So I think one of the things that I see as like a common misconception is around training with contractors. 
theoretically, there should be no training. They have their own process. You hired them to do a thing. They're coming into your business with their own kind of prerogative on how to get to a specific outcome. And systems. (laughs) Right. And then when you're employing someone, then you have your own systems. You have your own processes. You dictate how and when the work is done and you train them. But what I see happening is so many people are bringing in contractors and then trying to rope them into their everyday deliverables that they're trying to, they want them to follow their process and bring them into their systems. And you're really not supposed to do that. And I, I know we've skirted the line before too. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying we're innocent here at all. No, no. that's why we have the lesson to give you now. (laughs) Right. What I want you to be thinking about is that your employees can be in a position where they're focused on outcomes. They are focused on results-based work. Contractors will and always should be more task-focused where they could check a box. Did they send you the deliverable? Yes or no. They, they just can't be responsible for an outcome. It's not only unreasonable, but that's not what you hired them to do. And even if they're sharing the potential results they could get you, technically they're not responsible for them. And, you know, you are going to have to get really clear on what your needs are internally. And this may mean restructuring your team. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of you don't want to hear that, but. It is. It can be a necessary evil, but on the other side, I promise you, it's a team that's so supportive and will be there for you and is in the trenches for you. And maybe the ways that you felt left alone all these years trying to work with contractors yeah. and trying to get them to fill a void that they literally cannot because they're still running their own businesses too. Yeah. They're still trying to make their own income too. You aren't their priority, their businesses. Yeah. Right. And so if you want to be the priority, an employee would be a dramatic change. Yep. All right. So let's move into red flag number six that I feel like we could make an entire episode on. And maybe we will. We have talked about this before, but it's the the situation of creating unethical circumstances. And you're doing it without even realizing you're doing it without even realizing that your good intentions are creating a toxic environment and that with all the best intentions and the desire to do great, you are actually creating an unsafe environment for your team. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to look at ethics like in one area and only one area. Yep. But I think it's important that you look at this as like a holistic thing. Cause when someone works for you, it's not just pay. It's not just hours they're working. It's not just time off. It's not just benefits. It's not like, it's not any one thing. It's all of it. And if we're not looking at the holistic value that we can offer our team, we will likely overcompensate in one area and then really let them down in so many others that it creates this unequal balance where they they start to create their own fear. And the interesting thing is, as an owner, you likely 
and I'll, and I'll, I'll say this because I think it might make you feel a little better. You could have circumstances where you personally maybe took and were willing to take certain sacrifices because you were the owner. And then we forget that that's just like not okay to pass on to other people. Like as an example, I personally didn't have traditional healthcare for multiple years. And I'm not saying every small business can afford giving healthcare to their employees, but I noticed going from being in a health share kind of situation to having more traditional healthcare that I was shocked how much I felt like I had held back from even exploring getting access to things because I didn't feel like I had the protection. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm so glad that we've added healthcare as a piece to our business. And, and like only we employed people, but we were, we were only there for like six months before we started offering it because knowing the kind of circumstances I was putting myself by not having access to it. Like, I don't want to put employees in that circumstance because I know they could have had a health issue that they avoided because they didn't have access. And so I, I just think you need to be thinking about okay, maybe you're willing to take the sacrifice, but is that okay for you to create an employment situation that they don't feel comfortable literally taking care of their own body or right. or being able to pay their own bills or I mean, whatever the thing is. And guess what? It costs money to offer healthcare. So <laughs> you have to have the margins or be able to build that in. And the only way to do that is to be able to pay your employees accordingly. I'm not yes. saying pay them bare minimum. That's literally not what we do around here. But so many business owners start with a very brand new hire before they've provided any results, before they've gotten uh, like into the brand and the business, top tier salaries as their only competitive factor for bringing on top talent. And I'm telling you, if you're able to offer other benefits outside of just top tier salaries, you can still attract top talent who live in your values even more than other people because they're not just there for top tier salary only reasons. And I do think it's a balance between like, I just went down this TikTok rabbit hole the other day about um, ex Google employees talking about how they, in their opinion, the benefits that Google offers like a gym, like free three meals a day, like being able to bring your dogs to work creates a toxic work environment because you then don't go home to let your dog out. So you don't leave work. The last meal of the day is served at 630. So you have to like stay later in order to get that free meal, or you're always at work because that's where you unlock those benefits. And a lot of people were commenting in the comments of that video being like, okay, cool. So you're getting all these perks and they want you to work more. Yeah. But you're getting all those perks and you're getting a big salary. And so I think there's still a balance of like, if you're offering a big salary, can you also offer other perks just to be able to afford that? Google's literally a multi-billion dollar company, but like small businesses like ours going out of the gate, offering high finances as their only like jumping point, you could absolutely get someone who jumps ship because of a different work schedule and a lower salary. Or a different benefit, like a health stipend and a lower salary. 
So I just want you to like look at all of the options instead of just salary. I know for us, being able to offer a more comprehensive package, we are in the minority, like for sure. In mm-hmm. in small business, we're offering benefits that 5% or less of small business offers small businesses offer in the US. And and I guarantee you it's actually two to one percent because that stat was even hard to find and compare because there are so few small business owners or businesses offering benefits. Yeah. I mean, because we're talking pay, time off, maternity, paternity, adoption leave, the ability to have life insurance, health care, 401k, like all of it. Mm-hmm. And a flex stipend on top of it. And so like, I, I know that means that we may have a slightly lower pay than, than some other businesses out there. But I also know it's a more comprehensive package that's going to allow people to feel secure because they're saving for their future. They mm-hmm. can, they have access to healthcare. Like, and I want people to feel safe and, I think it's really critical that you're looking at someone's whole life, especially when you're asking for so much of their time. Yep. All right. Let's move into red flag number seven. This one is something that we're still working on. We definitely (laughs) learned a lot of these lessons, but we ended on this for a reason because it's kind of the last one for us to tackle. And not just us, but also teaching our team to tackle this as well. This isn't just a CEO red flag. This isn't just the mistake that you're doing. Right. But if you are still doing this one, your team is absolutely doing it as well because they see you doing it. And the red flag number seven is allowing perfectionism to prevent improvements. Yeah. You're waiting for things to be too in alignment to move forward. You're waiting for things to be too done to move forward. Too perfect, just right. Mm -hmm. And I, I get it. I get there may be reasons that you delay something or that you slow something down for sure. But I, I see more often than not that the reason to not move forward is because people are afraid of messy action. People are worried that if they put something out that's not fully representative of what they want to do, that that they're they're doing it wrong. And I think a good example is, I mean, we have clients all the time that are at various stages of working through some of the behind the scenes systems and organization. And as an example, they're like, well, I don't know if I should even open up the ability to intake clients because I'm still working on the workflows behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? Like you're not going to take income. And like, there's no reason why you can't build this system while you're working with the client because no better time are you going to understand, okay, here's the next step. Here's the next bit of communication I need to send them. Oh, I missed a step. Let me add that back in. You're not going to know that unless you're literally in the middle of doing it. You can hypothesize all day about what it should do and, and act like and the timing and what should be said. And you are literally just guessing. You are. And that's so, mm, I, I, want <laughs> you to, I want you to adopt this like spirit of experimentation. And I know for us, like making things less of a 
test fail and more of an experiment where we can learn lessons and make tweaks has been huge. Us adopting adopting like a critique style inside of the business has been a great opportunity for us to collaborate on things. Us intentionally building in more conflict on purpose, which if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and take a listen. I just think so often we are trying to make everything have certain appearances and I just don't get it. Like, well, and how, what I kind of like attribute it to or not attribute it to, but like compare it to is, okay, y'all know you hate, you hate this. I know you do. And yet you're doing it in your own business. You hate the businesses like internet service providers, cable service providers, cell phone service providers. It's typically those industries that only offer the best new perks to new clients. If you're an existing client and you've been around forever, you kind of get the worst end of the stick. It's the shittiest process, the highest prices, no new perks, no cool new way of doing anything, nothing. And it's because they value new clients over existing clients. You know better than that. And so why wouldn't you perfect a process for an existing client, make something better, offer a better way of doing something. I'm not just talking about prices. I'm talking about the experience, right? It's typically the experience that people are unwilling to change when they're in the middle of the process. But if you only value the next new person that comes in, your current clients aren't getting the best experience that you can offer. And I don't like that. Yeah. So I want you to Take these red flags with a grain of salt and realize that there's opportunity for you on the other side to move through them. Now, what I can tell you is Boss Project has been developing for years the systems that you need to make this a thing. You need a high-touch signature service designed with your life and unique circumstances in, in mind. You need systems that scale, that will set and communicate your boundaries with your clients, keep you and your team on track, keep you preventable. You need a team of support that's built ethically, like we talked about, that's designed to keep you stable and profitable. And if you try to reverse engineer this, you're not going to see the results we're talking about, it's really easy to just see the perspective of, okay, this could be a thing. I get why this is toxic or whatever, but I feel like you trying to move through it is going to likely create more problems. And I would rather you join us inside and submit your application for the incubator. We have the exact steps that are going to allow you to untap the CEO level coaching that's going to help you get the roadmap to double your income, that's going to get you through premium pricing, that's going to help you create better systems to create that better experience. And I really encourage you to apply. Yep. So head right now to bossproject.com slash apply take less than 10 minutes to fill out the application. It doesn't commit you to anything. It literally just starts the conversation. It gets us a little bit more information about you, your business, and your goals. We start the conversation to see what the options are available to you, what we suggest for you to go through next. And we see what's going to help you live more in your CEO life in a way that feels good for you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. 
Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.